This is pre-game antics with Ed Davidson. Cheers for joining in with me as I dig deep into the lifestyle routines of high-performing athletes, discovering the undiscovered here at Pre-Game Antics. Hope you enjoy the ride, sit back, relax, and listen closely, because this next guest is one you won't want to miss. Benji Ward. 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 Benji is a year 13 student at Christ College, along with playing a significant role in the college first team rugby side. He's also a big boy at Christ College. He's been in the team for two years and is capped as a wing and fullback. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast. Go to work Thank now. To Liam Pratt. Very jaded and It's a good run from Pratt. Well, it depends on what time the game will start. For the sake of argument, we'll say that the game starts at 2.45. I'll make sure that I'm getting up at a reasonable hour to have some breakfast. For sharing the words of wisdom of what it's like to be. So that, um, eating meals with good timing in regards to the game schedule so that I'm not, you know, overeating before the game or not eating enough, not having enough energy. So usually I'd get up around 9.30 and then eat then. Sometimes we have a, a team brunch. together is definitely chilled. The longer that we can have a chilled period and a relaxed mindset, the better it is for the game. So generally we don't start getting serious and knocking in until we start warming up. That way it's it's a lot easier. We don't get tired, mentally drained. And also, you're there with your mates, you may as well have fun while you're there. You know, we get good coaching and all the rest of it. You know, we're there to have fun. We're there to play sport and have fun. So I think it's important that we don't switch on too early. The plan is from there to just to go and hang out as a team together for about an hour or so while everyone gets strapped and people just chill in a house at school. And then we ramp up into sort of procedures before the game in terms of primers and warming up and then travelling to wherever we're going and then warming up again and etc. Morsese, Fifita, the leader, the haka. Usually um, I won't feel too nervous until about an hour before the game, so until we start warming up. With bigger games such as televised games or the boys' high game, it's the annual, you know, grudge match. You got to tell yourself that, that it's, not, it's it's just another game. You can't obviously everyone's hyping it up and um, expecting big things and all the rest of it. So um, the best thing that you can do is actually just physically out loud tell yourself that it's it's just another game, and that way it actually helps calm it helps me calm myself down. And when someone else comes up to you and asks you, "Oh yeah, how are you feeling? Are you nervous?" You just go, "No, it's just another game." And yeah, that's that's a nice way of dealing with nerves and pressure. Hey lads, backs, we're into it. On the waddies, inside. 20 minutes. If you didn't play, it's a top up. If you did play, it's a flush. Well, there's a pretty set schedule. Doesn't change throughout the season. Monday was a flush session. It's basically fitness and skills. Let's go, Hoss. Slow and bang. Get those knees out, big chest. Drive out the hole. That's it. Come on, Colsey. Build up this back, mate. You might put that ball down properly. 
Tuesdays and Thursdays will be a gym training, so it'll be weights training. Wednesday and Thursday of on-field trainings. And then we won't do anything Friday before a game and then nip into it on, on Saturday. Hammett keeps the ball alive with inside ball for Shearer. Anderson. Now go to work now. Liam Pratt. It's a good run for Pratt. Captain Fletcher Anderson, the number eight for Christ I think the important thing to realise is that both teams are experiencing that pressure and both teams are experiencing those nerves in a stadium filled with heaps of students and old boys and things like that. So I suppose the more experienced and the older and mature you are, you, the more you realise that actually it's a fair playing field and as soon as you can block out the white noise of the crowd, you can actually start having some fun. And so this year, when we played the boys' high match, I think we had quite a young team compared to our position, and I think that, that really took a toll in the first half because we went down, you know, 35 points to nil. We were just shocked and we, we couldn't play rugby because we were worrying too much about what was happening on the outside of the pitch, and that's the biggest challenge for young people and athletes that are first getting a large stage is adjusting to the amount of pressure that they actually get on the day. Definitely not sound perfect. I still get nervous and still does affect me, but yeah, it can have it can have an effect on your mental health. I think if you're going in there and you're a type of person that does get anxious quite easily and already got some mental issues in the background, it's not going to be conducive to a healthier mindset. But to be fair, it's just you know, once you're there on the game, you sort of make it or you break it. And so people will either play, you know, their worst game of their life because of the pressure, and they'll just once they drop a ball, it's a snowball effect, and they'll keep dropping them and just thinking about the pressure and think about well, I can't drop this ball because everyone's watching and then go and do that, and that exact thing but or some people might say is you know these, these people are watching I've got to give them a show and some people thrive on that but for the most part for high school boys it's definitely a shock to the system and, and it takes some adjusting to get used to <laughs> Someone throughout the day, they might ask you, you know, are you feeling nervous for the game? You just say, no, it's just another game. It's the same thing. You just fake it. Slightly trick yourself into playing the game, which is exactly what should happen. So, you know, if someone's chanting, if the, if the opposition supporters have started a chant against you. And you notice it happening, you just you flick and you just say, okay, well, now I've just got to do my next job. I'm just going to focus on communicating with who I need to for the next play in the game, and I'm going to communicate with them really well. And so that takes your mind off whatever's happening outside, uh, and it gives you a new task. So you've actually got some purpose, and you don't allow yourself to be you know, affected by those extraneous variables. Our goal here at Christ College is to have the leading rugby program in Christchurch Secondary School Rugby. Uh, we want to try and do that through having good technique and skill development, as well as uh, developing a good rugby culture uh, and good habits and values. My role here
here as a strength and conditioning coach is primarily to focus on the safety and well-being of our student rugby players. So that's carefully monitoring their technique in the weights room, during conditioning sessions and also during rugby training sessions. The coaches role in those slightly bigger games that hold a little bit more weight their role is to keep the processes the same and so as soon as we change something or as soon as something's different with a warm-up or we're doing extra trainings throughout the week everyone starts to stress automatically just because of the we're not used to it it's an environment that we're not used to and we're um, working ourselves up as if it's something larger than it is and so I think the importance of the coaches is to reassure the players that, that it's nothing huge and that um, no matter what happens we're still play our best game and they'll be proud of it as it is. In terms of the players, um, teammates will always look out for you, but um, in those big in those big games, it's especially important to, you know, if a younger player or even an older player is struggling with the pressure, um, just ensuring that you're getting around them and, and making sure that they're not alone in that. So I suppose just supporting each other and keeping things simple. Talking about teammates, I called in Ollie Shaw and Jaden Saar to have a word on this, who have been in the team with Benji Ward for two years. Personally, I think he plays a massive role. He's a very trustworthy player, so him, especially playing at fullback, I think we know if we miss a tackle, then he's most likely going to make that tackle. So I think he plays a crucial role in his game, but also in his leadership as well as being head boy, but he provides a massive leadership role in the team. Yeah, Benji's played a massive role in the team. Um, he might not know it, but he does, whether that's that training, bringing the good energy, or game day where he brings that same energy, and like, he's just consistent with his leadership and playing skill. Like, yeah, I trust him on the field and obviously off the field, and he's been a great role in the team. So. And do you think your team culture facilitates that? This year it took, our team culture took a while to sort of build. We had a very different group from what was last year, which is quite unusual, not many returning players. And so we had to sort of build relationships between each other and between year groups quite quickly. And so by the end of the season, we, we had a group of boys that really enjoyed each other's company. And so that team culture, had we have had that, you know, the start of the year with the boys high match, could have actually helped us because we would have known you know each other a little bit more personally and allowed us to sort of be comfortable in, in what we're doing and not feel that we have to prove something to our teammates because we know that our teammates are all chill with us so. yeah i think each year it changes last year was very different to this year but i think this year we were very happy with how our culture was like obviously we've got quite a young team so being able to mix between year groups is quite crucial and can sometimes not be so strong. So I think this year we have done a very good job in making sure that the younger boys are involved, but also the senior boys are happy and being able to express themselves for their last year. Yeah, my team culture this year has been really awesome. Like last year, you could definitely feel like there was a massive difference. Last year, guys were like breaking up into their own bubbles with like the year groups and that. But this year, we've really worked hard to like create a culture where everyone feels as if like they can speak up and talk. And I think that showed on the field as well. You could tell team culture's gone a lot better, even by like the small stuff. Walking around school, seeing all of them saying hi and that, because usually you don't really say hi to other guys in different year groups because you just stick to your own. But I think that team culture's helped a lot. We've 
brought a diverse culture into the group, as our other boys have a lot of Pacific and Māori backgrounds, so we wanted to make sure that they felt welcome into the group. After every game, we brought in a Fijian hymn that we would sing together, just to show our appreciation for those boys, but also the team. With the Fijian hymn and us having like a cultural night where we had dinner from different cultures, um, it really like did bring us together as one. Like um, we did feel connected in a way, and ways like that could like like benefit us on the field as well. During the tough times, you know, we always got each other's back. Singing that Fijian hymn after the game, even after a tough loss, it just gets the boys up. Just knowing that that when we sing that song, we could say that we played like our hardest and given our all. So that song represents everyone in the team. Over the season, do you think Benji, yourself and the team have done well to mentally prepare for your games? Yeah, I think we uh, rely a lot on our mental preparation. I think it's something that's quite hard to master, but I think us, if we want to do well and be better than the other, other teams, then that's something that we have to get better. Being such a young side and such a small side in the comp, we really do have to be mentally tough. The John Quinn sessions really do help us with our mental strength and mindfulness. So at trainings or in games where things get quite tough, you know, it's coming together as a team and take a few breaths and reset from there. I mean, I think it's a great way to bring the team back to where we need to be and making sure that we're all on the same page. Before we even start warming up, I have a notebook that I write down three goals. So three goals for the game that I want to do better that I probably didn't do well the week before. And those will be the three things that I focus on during the game. And under those three goals, I'll write four in, four hold, four out, four hold. And that's a breathing exercise called a box breathing exercise. Essentially, I do that after reading my goals. And so when I'm in a game, I do that breathing exercise that takes me back to those goals and it's just a nice reset if I'm getting a little bit flustered or, you know, not playing to the game or having a bad game or anything like that. <laughs> um, and another thing that I think is quite common now, something that Rich and McCord did, I think, is that whenever my mind wanders or whenever I'm not mentally in the game and I'm thinking somewhere else, I look at each four corners of the field, each four corner flags, and that just centres me back to where I am and just ensures that, you know, my head is where it needs to be. To answer some questions about the mental game, I brought in a psychologist, Travis Dixon, who is an ex-rugby player and an ex-basketball player. So there's been a lot of research into the importance of visualisation. And so in terms of preparing for sports, we can actually practice scenarios a sport by going through visualisation, visualising what might happen, I mean, just you know, doing a mental role play, what's going to happen, how do we respond. So we can actually prepare for pressure situations in sports by just imagining that scenario and what we would do and the different outcomes. We've found actually that there's an interesting study with learning how to play the piano and that just by visualising and, and mentally practicing playing the piano, your brain changes shape and structure in a similar way in that if you were actually practicing on a physical piano. So they had three groups of people, one, one, you know, they had piano lessons, one group didn't practice, another group just mentally practiced, and a third group practiced with a piano. And the mental practice and physical practice when they scanned their brains actually had similar changes and a similar improvement in their performance, I believe. In terms of the, the relationship between performance and the mental game and preparation, so of course we need the physical 
preparation to develop our muscle memory, but the mental side of things can be valuable uh, as well. And then if we look at performance, so I would say that there was a lot of hope, I think, in cognitive psychology that, you know, the power of the mind over the body and we can control the body using the mind. If we can change our thought patterns, we can change our actions. And if we can change our thought patterns and how we think and our mental game, then that will sort of be able to control anxiety. And, you know, so if we can change our thoughts, change your mind, you can change your mind state. The neuroscientist Andrew Huberman has a good saying that I really re like and I, and I relate to a lot, which is it's very difficult to, con to control the mind with the mind. If you have anxiety and if you're in a high-pressure situation and you've got a clutch free throw coming on or you have to kick the game-winning, you know, the match-winning kick, very difficult to control your body and control your mind and the way you're thinking with the mind. Let me give you an example from basketball. It's actually easier to control anxiety with the body. So if you, when you watch uh, an All Black kick a goal, they will follow the exact same routine every time. You know, old Damo McKenzie, he has that little smile. He does the same every time. Geordie Barrett, their run-up, their approach, their steps, it's, it becomes, it's, it's just robotic. Volleyball serves, same thing. Tennis serves, same thing. They don't change their approach, free throws. And there's a reason why those athletes have realized that it's important that they do the same consistent action every time because when they get to the clutch situation, they're not thinking about anything else than just their routine. When I was a basketball player, I used to sing at the free throw line. I'd get a song stuck in my head and I would just sing. And so even in pressure situations, I wasn't thinking about, okay, don't stress out, don't get nervous, control your anxiety. I would just sing and that would take my mind off things and then I would fall into my routine, which was the same every time. And then, of course, I was captain clutch, eat pressure flakes for breakfast, never missed a free throw in the big games. No, but so, so that's where I would say that's the limitations of the mental game, actually, is that we, in those pressure situations, you probably want to rely more on your, your physicality, the physical stuff and the motor memory. Benji Ward's experience allows him to comment on other teammates' pre-game antics. A lot of people do listen to music, hype themselves up before a game. In the locker room, yeah, that's quite a nice way to do it. I don't listen to music, just because I never have, and, and I don't know, don't want to change it up, but that's one thing people do. People will tend to start really just not talking to each other and just focusing on themselves and thinking the game right before we head out, sort of five minutes before we head out. And when we're on the pitch and we're, and we're examining the pitch before we warm up, one thing that, one thing that a lot of people will do is <laughs> just walk the pitch and imagine themselves making a play or doing something and that weirdly allows your brain to make some sort of cognitive pathway. I'm not sure how it works, but in the game, if you see that same situation that you imagined in your mind, you know exactly what to do. So, but yeah, there's all sorts of things. Like people, instead of looking at all four corners of the, of the pitch, they'll pull up their socks or pinch themselves or there's, there's a bunch of stuff you can do. That's just keeping it consistent, I suppose. Yeah, so I mean, to combine the, the, the research approach with my personal experiences, you know, in psychology, we have the inverted U hypothesis, and the relationship between arousal and performance, which means think of the shape of an N, all right? That's the graph. A little bit of arousal, like if you're not that nervous before a game, it's actually a bit problematic because, you know, nerves and anxiety just means physiological readiness. You know, you've got adrenaline pumping, you've got some cortisol in your body, you're going to be sharp, you're going to be focused. So you actually need a bit of physiological arousal. You need some anxiety and nerves to help you perform in a big game. But if you have too much, physiological arousal is too high, it actually decreases your performance. So we kind of discovered that there's a peak level 
of arousal. And so what I would suggest is that you don't want to be doing things that can completely uh, reduce your nerves and anxiety, but you want to be making sure that you're not overriding your system either. And then I think it comes down to personal preference, what you prefer. You know, if you like music because it can take your mind off things, if you're a person who gets too wound up, perhaps that's effective. If you're a person who's naturally just laid back and calm, then maybe sitting in a corner actually thinking and visualizing and focusing on what you're going to do to get yourself prepared could be the better approach. So I feel like there's a little bit of trial and error for the individual. But one thing I would just warn young athletes about is what feels good isn't always what's right. And that's that, that transcends so many areas of life. But, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I like to listen to music before a game. It helps me. Well, actually, I don't know if those two things would always go together. They like to listen to music before a game. But if they were really critical and go, well, does it actually help them? N not sure. So what feels nice might not always be what's right. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast. And thank you to Benji, Ollie, Jaden, and Mr. Dixon for sharing their words of wisdom of what it's like to be a player in the first 15 and preparing for these big matches. I'll see you all next week for another episode of Pre-Game Antics.